As promised, let's look at nepotism in Phnom Penh. After 38 years in power, Hun Sen, the, the Prime Minister, has announced that he will be passing the job on to another. And it happens to be his son. We uh, spoke to Sebastian Serenio back in May when uh, Sebastian gave us a, a preview of the upcoming election in Cambodia. Well, the results are in, so I'm pleased to welcome him back to report on them and these latest interesting developments. Sebastian is the uh, South Southeast Asia editor of The Diplomat and author of the book Hun, Hun Sen's Cambodia. So, Sebastian, as I mentioned, uh, last week he announced he's off but he'd be handing the Prime Ministership to who? Hi, Philip. Thanks for having me. Well, the, the heir designate is none other than his eldest son, Hun Manet, uh, 45 years old, um, the commander of Cambodia's army, um, and who, you know, who's been positioned, moved into this position for several years now. Uh, this succession has been, is long, has been long planned, and um, <clears throat> it is part of, indeed a, a wider generational transition within the ruling party of Cambodia to ensure that Hun Sen's legacy survives beyond his own retirement and removal from the scene. So it's not just uh, this father and son, there's a bit of, a, there's other examples of nepotism. What we're seeing is a generational transition within the CPP and that in many cases has involved sons, although not only sons, taking over from their fathers. Uh, we see that in certain ministries where the, the defence ministry and the interior ministry, both very important to the CPP's hold on power, we see the sons of the current ministers um, taking over in a similar manner to Hun Manet, taking over from his own father. And in general, um, we're, we're going to see a, a clean-out of the Cambodian cabinet. All of the old guard ministers, some of whom have been in their positions for a quarter century or more, um, virtually all of them will be stepping down as far as uh, we know and um, to make way for younger officials. Um, very Sebast often Sebastian, let me ask the obvious question. Why? Why is uh, Hun Sen stepping aside? I mean, he's still going to be pulling the strings, but what's going on? What's the backstory? He's 70 years old now. He spent more than half his life in power in Cambodia, and I think that he's becoming aware of his own mortality and the importance of his own legacy. Over the past decade, we've seen the Cambodian government go on a spree of commemoration, building monuments to Hun Sen's legacy, his you know, ending of the Cambodian Civil War, um, and, and, and so forth. And I think that he is concerned about what will happen when he steps back. And the only way that he sees that he can preserve his legacy and ensure that it lasts beyond his own lifetime is by institutionalizing some kind of generational transition within the party. There are no political institutions in Cambodia that can that can carry that along. Um, the system is very much dependent on Hun Sen. He's, the system is developed in that way. And now he's trying to essentially ease himself out of the pilot seat, place his son there, and he will continue to exercise a lot of control behind the scenes to ensure that this transition goes smoothly. Okay, Sebastian, tell me about uh, Hun Sen, Sen Jr. What do we know about him? I know he's been well-educated in the West. Beyond his CV, we don't know a huge amount about his political outlook, his worldview, 
He tends to parrot a lot of the phrases of his father, the importance of peace and stability and carrying on the legacy of the CPP. Um, we do know that his background is very different from his father. Uh, Hun Sen was very almost a personification of Cambodia's history of tumult and upheaval. He came of age during a time of civil war, and he, he came of political age on the battlefield. Um, he is somebody, and that's, that's shaped Hun Sen's political outlook and political methods very strongly. Um, Han Manet, on the other hand, even though he is a military man, he is he has been sort of boosted through the ranks of the Cambodian military due to whom his father is, he's grown up in an entirely different context, a context of wealth, extreme wealth and privilege. He's been educated at some of the best schools in the world. And so I think well, he's, he's got a let, very different... Let's, let's be specific here. Got a master's degree from New York University and a doctorate from Bristol. That's correct, yes. And he studied at West Point. Uh, as well. He was a graduate in 1999. Uh, and so he's somebody who, you know, has, has had a totally different background to his father. And I think we can expect to see that carry through into his style of leadership. But on the other hand, I also think that he lacks the personal animosities and resentments that his father had towards, say, the United States about past episodes of American intervention in Cambodia. Of but course, of think- course he, he will speak pretty good English. Yes, he speaks English. He's going to be much more comfortable around the sorts of foreign diplomats that he'll need to butter up in order to improve Cambodia's relations, especially with Western countries. Um, And I think that he will be probably a much better salesperson for Cambodia internationally. But I'm not holding my breath that he has got any plans to reform the country significantly. I haven't seen any evidence that he has a desire to do well, that. Well, it's a common fallacy that I know you've pointed this out in the past, that uh, you become more democratic after studying in the West. It ain't necessarily so. Not at all. And there's been cases in Cambodia's recent past as well that prove that. I mean, the uh, during the 1990s, many of the um, returnees who came for the UN election of 1993, a lot of them were very um, highly educated um, but when they got into power, they're highly educated in Western institutions is what I mean to say. When they got into power, they were just as corrupt as, as um, Hun Sen's people who'd been there through the 1980s. And so it's, you know, it is a fallacy. You're correct. And I think that we need to look beyond his CV and we need to look to the political system that he will head, which I think will po- impose considerable res- uh, res- restraint on what he'll be able to do. So even, even if he was desperate to change the way Cambodia is ruled, all sorts of problems, including, as you say, the uh, the lack of independent uh, political institutions. Well, right, and it's worth mentioning that even Hun Sen is beholden to a lot of powerful people within the CPP, within the security forces, and within the Cambodian business community, without whom, without whose support, you know, his he wouldn't have survived in power for so long. And his son, who lacks Hun Sen's connections and probably also his political intuitions and abilities, is going to find, he's going to be even more beholden to these individuals. And I think that the imperative of keeping powerful people happy will impose severe restrictions on what he can do. I think that the system will shape his decisions rather than the other way around. Well, well we are well aware that uh, the courts, the, the parliament, the, the electoral commission, etc. Uh, you know, are firmly in place and uh, probably resistant to change. That's right. Uh, I mean, the, over the past few decades, the CPP has successfully harmonised virtually every sphere of 
civil society, um, political life with its own prerogatives and power. Um, and yeah, there are a lot of, in a, in a highly decentralized political system, a highly personalized political system without durable political institutions, you rely very much on you know, the support of powerful individuals who may want a bigger piece of the pie, who may um, have designs on power for themselves. I mean, it's a very complicated balancing act. And I actually think Hun Sen will be doing a lot of this balancing behind the scenes over the next few years will, to ensure that his sons uh, gets off to a good start. It would be amazing if he didn't. What about uh, foreign policy? Perhaps uh, a slight shift to the West? I, it, I think that there'll be, there'd be a desire on the part of the West to use this opportunity to improve relations. But I do think that there, it's going to be very hard to give the Cambodian government the benefit of the doubt right now after having won such a lopsided and unfair election, um, after having blocked the main opposition party from running, after a five, six, seven years of political crackdowns that have eliminated most of the opposition and had gone after civil society and the independent media, it's going to be very hard for Western governments to give Cambodia the benefit of the doubt. I think it's going to require a gesture on the part of the Cambodian government, a meaningful gesture toward reform. But I'm not sure that's something that Hun Manet is either willing or able to grant. It seems only yesterday I was sitting in a non-pen restaurant eating tarantulas. But uh, at the time, the, the thing that really surprised and impressed me was the, the desire of young people to see their country change, to see it become more democratised, to see greater media freedom. That's right. And there's been a... You know, the young people today in Cambodia have grown up like Hun Manet in some ways in a very different country to their fathers and grand, uh, their parents and grandparents. Um, people, first-time voters this year would have grown up, they would not have known a country at war. They would have grown up since the end of Cambodia's civil war in the late 1990s. And accordingly, their perspectives on the world are very different. Their expectations for their lives are very different. They've also grown up in an era of, if not widespread prosperity, and there's certainly um, more prosperity than their forebears knew. And I think that that rising expectations have posed one of the greatest challenges to the CPP. Um, and I think that challenge isn't going to go away. And it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see if a younger leader is able to push the country, if not in a democratic direction, then in a direction that, that gives young people a little greater opportunities um, to live their lives as they'd like to. Sebastian, does Hun Sen have a significant heritage to be preserved? I think if you look at Cambodia under Hun Sen uh, and you measure it against Cambodia's history, I think that you can see what he's managed to achieve. Cambodia is currently in the midst of its longest period of peace in, the, in its modern history. And the development that you see in Cambodia today, I, I've spoken to people who knew Cambodia in the 1960s and 70s, and they are they express astonishment at how the country has developed. Um, now, there's massive problems with inequality and corruption and nepotism and what have you, but measured against that very low baseline, it, it is hard not to be impressed to some extent by what Hun Sen has achieved. But I think that, you know, the key is that Cambodia can't be hold, held to that low baseline forever. And I think that's precisely what this injection of youth into uh, the political, you know, uh, into political life is uh, is 
is producing. It's it's recalibrating expectations, and and people are no longer happy with basic levels of development. How how's the economy performing? I'm not really an economist. So I, you know, I'm not the best person to ask about this, but I hear that there are some challenges right now. There's a lot of debt in the Cambodian property market. Um, the you know it's uh, it's it's a yeah, it's a difficult time. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not an expert on that. Uh, uh, but I, I do think that there will be you know challenges for the incoming government in maintaining a certain degree of economic growth, which of course the political system requires. There needs to be patronage, you know, flushed through the system uh, in order to keep wealthy people wealthy. Uh, and a lot of those wealthy people borrow a lot of money in order to buy homes and cars and so forth and find themselves in considerable amounts of debt. And so that will be a huge challenge. Now, you've been writing about this bloke for so long. You're, you've now got a, a fascinating pile of things to think about and write about. You must come back on the program. Sebastian Trendier, Southeast Asia editor of The Diplomat and author of Hun Sen's Cambodia. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.